0: Hi everyone, my name is Lisa Green. I'm the Vice President of Religion and Culture at Hillel Society. I'm a first year, and today I'm so excited and honored to be interviewing my wonderful co host, Morgan Limmer. Morgan, uh, we have <laughs> loved getting to know you in small snippets over these previous six episodes, but if you could just, for anyone tuning in for the first time, give a little synopsis about yourself, class year, major, things you do on campus, anything else you want to include.
1: Okay, cool. Um, well, as you've probably heard before, if you've tuned in before, uh, my name is Morgan. I'm a senior graduating in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I am a history and Inter- international affairs double major. I am the interfaith fellow on campus, so in a normal year, that would mean like coordinating events with groups and making sure each religious life group has what they need. But with the pandemic, that's looked a little different. And so that's kind of why the podcast happened. Other stuff I'm involved in on campus. I did a lot of college theater. Um, That was kind of my main thing. Um, I'm in Mafia, the music appreciation floor. Shout out to you guys. So that's where I live. Uh, So I hang out with them a lot. But yeah, that's, that's basically what I do on campus.
0: That's so cool to hear. Um, And we'll definitely get back to the interfaith fellow piece of it because I think that's so interesting. (laughs) But starting with the topic of the day, Mm -hmm. uh, let's delve all the way back and (laughs) starting with the very beginning. What were your first memories and experiences with Christianity?
1: Yeah, so I grew up um, Missouri Synod Lutheran. So like, quick overview, there's like, in Lutheranism, there's, like, Missouri and Wisconsin Senate, and then there's, like, evangelical Lutheranism. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a split there. So we were on the Missouri Synod, which was less evangelical. That doesn't mean that I didn't grow up with evangelical things, because, like, a lot of the books and lesson curriculums are distributed by, like, evangelical publishers, but, like, I technically didn't grow up evangelical. But, so I grew up in a very traditional Lutheran family. Um, we'd be at church, like, three or four times a week. Um, My dad was in the choir. My mom led Sunday school stuff. I would, like, be at the front delivering, like, Bible verses a lot. I was heavily involved in Sunday school and and youth group, did a lot of, like, theater through the church. Like, church was just my life, basically, growing up. Everything I did. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I would sing in the choir with my dad. Yeah, so.
0: Well, I'd love to, let's pick that apart piece by piece so Mm -hmm. starting with the music of it all what are specific songs that have stuck with you and mean a lot
1: oh boy so there's this one song that i really liked called el shaddai actually that we would sing that was a very beautiful song we also sang days of elijah That was always a bop, because like our church did like a combination of um, hymns and of praise songs, because it's kind of in the middle between more traditional and more like evangelical. So we did both. A Mighty Fortress is Our God is like a classic Lutheran hymn that we would sing. That was really fun. Oh, I also remember every Easter we'd get like a huge choir together to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, and with like all of the parts intertwining, that was always a beautiful part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had like, we had a huge kind of an orchestra in a sense. Um, but, like it wasn't full, but we had a lot of, a lot of musical talent going on in the church that I grew up in. But.
0: That's gotta be so beautiful. And and those services must've been so special to you. Are there are there specific stories and parts of the Bible that stand out to you as being really influential?
1: Like in my childhood or
0: just? Let's start with your childhood and then we can come back to it now in a few minutes. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So I as a kid I really liked the um, story of Moses. I think it was specifically because of the Prince of Egypt um movie. <laughs> it's a that great was movie. beautiful. So that was fun and we'd always like reenact the plagues or like reenact Passover <laughs> in Sunday school and even though that's like a very serious time, like, we would have fun with it.
0: Were there any stories of, like, holidays or specific days your church put on? Um, like, what were the plays like?
1: Ooh, oh, yeah. okay, okay. So um, every Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter, where, like, Jesus rode down in a donkey to be, like, adorned by the people around him, and then he was betrayed later, like, that Thursday. But every Palm Sunday, like, it just has the most beautiful music and, like, they had this really cool lighting, so it of looked like there was palm trees on the ground. And you'd have your own palm trees that you'd throw in the ground. And one, a couple times they brought, like, a live donkey <laughs> um, <laughs> to lead down the aisle. We brought, we put on a Christmas pageant every year. That was a big thing. Oh, what was that like? Well, it was fun. Like, they had one play that they bought the rights to. Mm. And uh, every once in a while they put on that play. But all the time... Regardless of what, like, we were performing, they would take songs from that play and put it into the stories of the other um, pageants that we put (laughs) on. So we'd hear the same songs every year, but in different contexts. But there was one specific play that was kind of like a Scrooge telling a little bit, but it was set in the 90s. Um, So, like, this angel comes and tells this guy how he's been a bad person, and you go through time looking at, like... How Christmas Happened, and it was just a really fun thing to be a part of.
0: That's so interesting. What were your parts in all of those?
1: Um, Oh, okay. So there's this one Christmas play where it was a bunch of stars, and so I played the baby star. Um, That was really cute. And so all the stars were talking about, like, the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Um, And so it followed the Christmas story, but from the perspective of the stars in the sky. (laughs) And that was written by somebody in our church. But that was a really fun one. Um, In the pageant, I did a lot of, like, like, dancing roles because I was a kiddo. Um, There was, like, an orphan scene, so I would be one of the orphans. Um, But there wasn't any, like, standout role because I was a kid other than the star one. But it was so fun to be a part of.
0: Can you tell me about Sunday school, though? That community, (laughs) those people, those experiences. Oh,
1: boy, Sunday school. (laughs) Sunday school was so much fun. Like, Every day, we'd go to like our little little classrooms, sectioned off by grade. Um, it was sectioned off from like like kindergarten to third grade, and then the fourth to sixth graders were upstairs, and they were the cool kids. <laughs> um, but like in kindergarten to third grade, like you'd go to your classroom for a little, little bit, and you'd wait until you heard the good morning song. Oh, um, they'd play the good morning song, and that's when all the kids ran and screaming to like the main area where we'd. Uh, it was large group where they would, like, give the Bible lesson and have little skits that, like, teenagers put on, do a lot of songs, sometimes pass around snacks, sometimes watch videos, so we'd have our own little... We didn't have, like, kids' services. Like, all the kids went to the main service, mm-hmm. and then we'd get, like, Sunday school in between. Oh. Um, so that was always fun. I loved Sunday school so much growing <laughs> yeah. up. Um, and then when I was in... I think starting in like 5th grade I started helping out in the K to 3 area. Oh, nice. So I ended up for most of middle school and early high school, I ended up running the music program for the children. Oh. Um, so So what kind of songs did you lead? It, uh, just like like uh, every move I make, which is a if you if you if you grew up Christian, you know that one. Um we had this song called Stop. That was like all the ways of being a good Christian. All the letters didn't stop, like, was talking about how you, uh, I guess, confront sin, but it was really fun. Um, there's a song called, My God Will Meet All Your Needs. That was fun. Just, just the actions were really fun. Dancing yeah. around to it was good. Oh, we had this one song called Get Down, where, like, you'd basically be doing push-ups by the end. Like, it's a very <laughs> physically involved song. But yeah, lots of fun in Sunday school really Aww, great. That's
0: awesome. And you must have forged so many connections with different people and had such an influence over the kids who you were ha- who were you helping mm-hmm. and who you were teaching the music to. And that makes me wonder about the other connections forged through church and through faith. Mm-hmm. So who were your primary role models and the people who stuck with you?
1: So I'd say like family-wise, um, my grandma's a huge role model. Mm-hmm. Um, she always modeled the faith. She was like Constantly like checking up scripture to like make sure she was following, but she also had like the most gracious heart. Um, and she loved fiction, she like uh mm-hmm. threw like Lord of the Rings parties <laughs> uh, <laughs> back so in fun. the day. So, um, she she's still alive, um, and mm-hmm. I don't know, she's just such an inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like follow the faith the same way she does but like I I admire her conviction
0: yeah to you what was it like growing up and and having those discussions with her like did you ever kind of talk about how you saw faith differently
1: no I kind of fell in line with whatever my family said um because I really wanted to like be the good Christian child in their eyes I wanted to be the model church kid uh so I never really questioned anything right
0: Um, such an interesting kind of part of growing up, just starting to look around and realize maybe there's a different way to do things. Do you think mm-hmm. there's a specific moment for you when you're like, maybe this isn't exactly what I want to do?
1: Yeah, there is. So this is a bit of a long story. But when I was in, I think it was like seventh or eighth grade, mm-hmm. my church like blew up, basically. Um, there was an, a huge feud in my mm-hmm. church where... Like, all of the pastors were on one side, and then oh. the church and the organist were on the other, other side. Oh, my goodness. And there was huge, like, like arguing between the church elders. So, like, every denomination has, like, elders to make sure that the churches are following the de- denomination's rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a conflict between the elders and the pastor, pastors, and then the pastors and the congregation, sort of. So what happened mm-hmm. is, in eighth grade, everybody fractured off. Um, yeah. And so all three pastors left. The church mm-hmm. and a bunch of them followed them to like start a new congregation
0: because of rules or
1: it was really complicated there was mm-hmm. a lot of scandals about um budgeting about mm-hmm. like taking funds and putting them elsewhere or like theology or just a lot of things that were very hush hush and mm-hmm. since i was in eighth grade i wasn't really allowed to go to those meetings but my parents were heavily heavily involved in them right. so there was a lot of things going on then that to this day i don't really understand all of it, but what I do understand is that my parents sided with the pastors, and I sided with the congregation,
0: because I didn't
1: know anything, but I knew the people, and I was like, I can't just give up the people that I grew up with. Just for
0: these pastors. Just for these pastors, and like, I
1: loved the pastors, and I still have a close relationship with one today, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just, I was so in the dark, and all I knew is that my friends were like, upset and hurt yeah and I was like I can't I can't go with you, you have
0: to stand by them
1: yeah and so for a while there um for a couple years I wasn't allowed to go to sermons oh. in um the church because I stayed behind like I was allowed to do Sunday school stuff I was allowed to do all the youth group stuff um mm-hmm. but for specific reasons I, I honestly I still don't understand um oh. like I wasn't allowed to go to those sermons and so i just kind of hung back and then i've always felt like a weird disillusionment like like i was kind of performing christianity even though
0: yeah like how so
1: like like i love the community and i loved the activities i got to do but i kind of didn't really buy it i guess i don't i don't know really like what specifically yeah just like I, i don't know like I, I believed in Jesus, but I there was just something off. I can't really put any words on it. Um, but that event really like solidified kind of my disillusionment yeah. with it all. Like yeah. I tried to stay involved, but I was like that was also at the time that I started going to public school and meeting a lot of friends who weren't Christian, friends who were gay, friends who were like agnostic, mm-hmm. things like that. And I was like, wait a second.
0: This isn't the only way.
1: This isn't the only way. And I learned a lot of things that I'm still unlearning. Yeah. Did you
0: ever talk to your parents about how you're feeling?
1: For, oh, disillusionment? Yeah, and and
0: the conflicts about the church.
1: I've talked about it a little bit. It's kind of a difficult time in all of our lives. So I, like, we're good now, obviously. And, like, I go to the same congregation that they do, like, when I'm in New Mexico and stuff. I didn't really... I never really opened up about my disillusionment um, until, like, the pandemic, because <laughs> I was home. Um, yeah. I kind of was scared, too, because, like, Lutheranism is just so baked into our family.
0: Right, right. Um, like, throughout the generations. Yeah. Yeah. yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in high school, I kind of just stopped going altogether. Like, I would go on holidays, and my parents wanted me to come along, but I stopped going to that other church around Ninth or 10th grade, right. didn't do anything for two years. And then I found this other church through like a family friend. Her name is Annika, she's great. She's mm. also a role model. Um nice. She um, told me about this church, Egan Hills. Well, Egan is a town in Minnesota. So I started going there mm. and I was definitely a lot, very disillusioned because like my politics didn't line up with traditional Christianity at all. Yeah. Um, and then I had a lot of issues with some of the teachings. But I started going, and there just happened to be a class of seniors, like all my age, that was like huge. Like there were like 15 of us when normally there would be like maybe four per year. I really connected with their youth group just because of how active and passionate everyone was about doing like philanthropy or doing missions. They didn't take and like they didn't have a part of the service where they collected the offering. They just had like offering buckets in the back if people wanted to donate, but they never mentioned it. It was just Egan Hills. Even though I don't agree with some of the politics there, like they really had a congregation of people who were on fire for doing good. Mm -hmm. Like they were active in their faith. That's so inspirational.
0: Yeah. Um. Did it kind of line up more with you politically? No.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I guess a little bit more. Like they were they weren't outright like political in some senses um they didn't preach it they didn't really talk about politics when they preached at all well, that's good um and they didn't they didn't really say anything hateful or anything like that um, yeah. more inflammatory things were said in my older church mm-hmm. but uh it's just the way that they acted out their christianity they had this real deep deep empathy for people it's beautiful. And a passion to like serve
0: I'm curious, though, just going back for a minute, um, do you think politics, what role do you think politics should play in religion?
1: Oh, oh, I think it's intrinsically tied. <laughs> Me too. Um, I think that, like, Jesus's entire movement is anti-authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like, not anti-authority, but anti, like, corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad actually has this blog that he updates every once in a while about um, about faith and stuff. And he was talking about how in the Bible, Jesus experienced all uh, seven emotions that humans can feel. Like, you know, in Inside Out, there's like five emotions. There's actually seven. Hmm. Um, But one of the emotions is contempt, Hmm. where you like just have this kind of disgust, but like... You know that you're better than them or whatever. I don't know. And my dad said, after reading through the New Testament, the only place where Jesus showed contempt towards anyone was towards religious authority. Hmm. That's it. Not towards the people, not towards... Judas. Like, no, just the religious authority. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I think that politics... My religion inspires, like, my politics. And vice science. versa, maybe. Yeah, like... Yeah. Um. Loving your neighbor, praying for those who persecute you, um, just being in service of other people, I think that really informs my politics, even though my politics don't really line up with what a lot of Christians believe yeah. about politics. Do you think,
0: where do you think they don't align, and do you think there is a congregation that would align more with your politics?
1: I'm not sure. That's kind of a, a thing I'm trying to, like, figure out as a go along i'm hoping there's i feel like more congregations are moving a bit more progressive but a lot of specifically like the evangelical congregations like mega church type congregations too are so like tied to the gop Mm -hmm. that it's just it's just a mess but there's an entire movement of like what we call ex-evangelicals or people who grew up in the evangelical church and are like realizing oh wow that was super messed up and a lot of that isn't biblical so some people in the movement are like moving towards atheism whilst others are moving towards a more reformed christianity Hmm. and there's a whole lot of us who like had very similar childhoods that are like we love a lot of the things about these texts we love what Jesus preaches. We love what these stories mean, but we don't like how the church has warped that into something.
0: Like intention versus execution. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: it's just frustrating, but I feel like in the next couple years, we're going to start seeing more congregations that are a little, at least more politically neutral. They're a little more accepting. Um, I think the church is understanding that they can't survive if they keep like, holding onto things like homophobia, you yeah,
0: know? Yeah, right, it's not sustainable. No. Yeah, and, and no one's gonna stand for that in 50 mm-hmm. years. Totally. Uh, that's so interesting, and I think it moves us well into where you are now and what the last few years of your life have been like. So, going forward, mm-hmm. how how has your religious life been in college? What was the transition like there?
1: So, end of high school, Morgan was very disillusioned. I loved mm-hmm. Egan Hills, but I was getting more and more agnostic as the days went on, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to college, and, like, that was the first time that I wasn't surrounded by people who were either, like, religiously or culturally Protestant. Hmm. Minnesota, super white, super Protestant. Just waspy. Not really waspy, but, like, because we're not Anglo-Saxon. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we're a lot more, like, Nordic and stuff. Scandinavian. Oh. Um, Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But, uh... Yeah, super white. Um, I knew, like, maybe five total combined, like, Jews and Catholics. Wow. Yeah. It was all Protestants. That's really something. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I mean, like, I knew atheists and agnostic people, but they grew up culturally Protestant. Right, right. Like,
0: like a formation of common experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then going to Lafayette, that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, I knew so many Catholics, so many Jewish people. Um, Yeah. And it kind of reversed from, like, I can count the Protestants like, <laughs> on my hand that yeah. I know, um, or people who grew up that way. And so I was really, like, it wasn't, like, a cultural whiplash, but I was, like, oh, other places aren't Protestant. <laughs> what? Yeah. And so then I started to, like, have a lot of conversations with people from different backgrounds. Mm. Sound familiar yet? <laughs> um, but, like, I started, like, I talk about her a lot, but, like, Alana Goldstein um, she was so inspirational to me because she just talked about how much she loved Judaism and how much uh, like her customs meant to her, the music, uh, the food just like everything about Judaism like she was on fire for that and so I wanted to talk to her and then I wanted to like talk about my experiences with faith and kind of in a funny way um, like, talking to other people about their fates kind of re-solidified my own. Yeah. It really made me, like, look at the core values and commonalities.
0: So powerful. And I was like,
1: wow. (laughs) (laughs) Other people are passionate about their fates. I can be passionate about mine. And it doesn't have to align with how I grew up. Um, But I can still, like, love it and stuff. It doesn't need to be
0: a conflict.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. Um, So... Like, that was really foundational, and those conversations kept happening. Um, There was one show we did called Disgraced that was about, like, a lot of, like, themes of, like, Islam and having trouble in America and stuff. And it was a really messy show. Um, Like, it was a great show, but there was a lot of, like, messy dynamics in it. But I got to learn a lot about Islam through that show and through the actors in that show who practiced. Um, So we'd have a lot of these, like, late-night conversations about, Mm -hmm. like, what Islam meant to them. Um, And I thought that was so cool um, because I definitely – I don't think I've ever, like, met a Muslim person before coming to college. Wow. So just stuff like that. It was fantastic. And so –
0: You know, I'd love to talk more about that. mm -hmm. Um, So what were your first – what were those first conversations like Where, like, did you have any preconceived notions of other religions that were kind of popped?
1: You kind of have this idea of, like, absolute truth hammered Mm -hmm. into you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a thing for other religions, too. But for my religion, it was like, what you practice is the truth. And what everyone else is practicing, although it might be good for them, is not the truth. And so very quickly, I learned that I needed to kind of step back and let people speak to their own experiences. Um, and once I started doing that, I realized that I could more easily start sharing like the values I hold dear, because you're listening to other people and, and taking it in and like re-examining what you believe. Um, so a lot of those early conversations, I feel like I had this false confidence that was like, even though I was disillusioned with religion, I felt like I had the absolute truth and that was couldn't be further from reality. Right, um, but it was a really good learning experience of how to speak to people about their faith.
0: It's so interesting. Are there pieces of different faiths that you've kind of brought back to your own understanding of faith?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think from like Judaism, it's really reexamining how community works because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Y- you grow up in the congregation and you know that it's there and everyone goes to church like three times a week and stuff but like I don't think we really emphasized like that the congregation is a community mm-hmm. i guess something that you can return to some like a group that's always or supposed to always be there for you and so when my parents moved down from minnesota to new mexico and they started to go to a new church like i really coming back from college i was like okay i'm going to try and like invest myself in this community i'm going to get yeah. involved Like, learning everything about everybody else Mm -hmm. and uh, making those connections. And even though I was only there for a short time, it was really fruitful. Um, So that's something I Mm -hmm. got from Judaism.
0: That's a great takeaway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm curious, speaking of the church in New Mexico, Mm -hmm. what was religion and those experiences like during the pandemic when we were all home?
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, In the pandemic, uh, like, I was home in New Mexico, Didn't know anybody uh, because my parents recently moved. I didn't really have many friends. Uh, But we would uh, every Sunday get up at like 10 to live stream the service because our church didn't have any in person. Yeah, I think they're actually just starting to have full in person now. They really held off for a long time. But they had these like Bible study style sermons with the pastor and a couple worship leaders. Um, And it was really nice because uh that church really like they're a little bit more progressive like not mm. super progressive but like
0: not as conservative not as all. conservative mm-hmm.
1: um and so like all of their sermons were interesting and brought about good questions and so I remember in the pandemic those sundays being like kind of the only interesting time there oh, like
0: just the one thing to look forward the to. the one thing to
1: look forward to because mm-hmm. like the conversations at like the brunch table afterwards were really cool because I felt like I could talk to my parents about faith and we'd have, like, a good back and forth.
0: That's so interesting. Do you think that your parents' views have changed at all?
1: Yes. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: Yeah, thanks.
1: Nice. Oh, yeah. Um. So my dad, like, was very, like, traditional, kind of fundamentalist. He always has, like, oh, I should have mentioned this in my role models, but, like, <laughs> he has such... Like, I don't know. He's just so good. He's such a good person. Um, but he's so, he's just so dedicated to Christianity and trying to, like, walk like Jesus in the sense, like, everything he does is pure-hearted. I just... It's
0: beautiful. We
1: love Joel. Um Aww. But so, growing up, my dad was, like, very in the Lutheran church and stuff. Um, and so he thought like the right thing to be was conservative Mm. um and so i've seen over the past five years and kind of like pushing and like asking questions that he's really had his foundation shaken you know not Mm. like in christianity but in how he views it because he is a big proponent of absolute truth um and i think he's going through the process of redefining what it means to be christian as like racial injustices have happened that he didn't really understand fully or like as he gets more exposed to the like LGBTQ movement and stuff like he definitely five years ago probably didn't like agree with gay marriage and now he's like come a really long way to like learn about like trans people or like non-binary identities like he's really trying to empathetically reach out and learn. So he's he's definitely changed. And then my mom, uh, oh, she's so faithful. She's just fantastic. Um, she kind of grew up in the church, but a lot more loosely. Um, but she really found comfort in it, like later in her life after like it was a little bit before meeting my dad. But through meeting my dad, she like got more involved in a congregation, and I think that really gave her a lot of strength that she was missing in her childhood.
0: Oh, and so,
1: so nice. she um, volunteers and like gives talks at women's retreats a lot, yeah, yeah. Um, just about like childhood issues or like women's issues. Yeah. Uh, she writes her own devotional. Um, oh, that's so she cool. does like counseling. She just really, it. She she's a very spiritual person, mm-hmm. I would say. She doesn't really, care about like theology and doctrine she just kind of cares about like the love um it's really nice and the compassion and living out what she believes like the holy spirit is telling her to do and i've always admired that i've never really had that kind of spiritual connection i didn't Mm. really get it um but she gets it (laughs) and i think that's so cool
0: yeah that's amazing Well, so are there ways, maybe not through religion directly, that you do feel that spiritual connection?
1: I think more recently, when I've gotten more in tune with my Christianity, I'll open up, like, my Bible and actually read it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I knew a lot about, like, Bible stories because we had to memorize a lot. Mm. Um, And I knew the teaching. But actually opening the book and being like, I'm going to read this section and I'm going to try and, like, think about what this means. Actually reading the Bible. surprise. Surprise. Kind of makes you more <laughs> in tune with that. Yeah. Uh, but also um, spending time in nature and really taking it in. Mm. That's I feel like that's a really common thing. You really, um, I don't remember the exact verse, but somewhere in the Bible it says like God reveals Himself through His creation. Mm. Um, so one of the ways that you recognize God exists is just the beauty of nature. Yeah. Um, and yeah so like just being in nature especially like in New Mexico in those mountains Mm -hmm. it's just so majestic and then you're like man this is all like God's God's design you know are there
0: specific places you go where you feel connected
1: there's a specific park in Minnesota that I like to go to to Mm -hmm. kind of sit there is more like woodsy um I can't go there anymore there's the, the Sandia mountains in New Mexico are beautiful um and there's, like, forests on top of the mountains, so you have, you're you surrounded by this green and looking out into the expansive, like, not desert, but, like, dry area. I don't know. Anything that's vast. Anything yeah. that has a large scope.
0: Are there any places at Lafayette that you feel kind of gave you that connection a little bit?
1: Uh, Lafayette in the fall, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Well, because Minnesota never really had fall. We had <laughs> fall for two weeks, it was, ah. and then it was just, like, it would snow or a blizzard, and then it would be slush for, like, two more weeks, and then it would be, like, six-month winter. Wow. Um, yeah. Because cold. But fall at Lafayette, just those big trees and, like, mm-hmm. the nice autumn breeze and the smells in the air, like, all of that you just kind of sit back, and, it, it, like, once you recognize that, you're like,
0: wow. Yeah, you're overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and going back to your experiences at Lafayette – Was there a defining moment or a series of moments that led you to your post-grad plans, which we'd love to hear about?
1: So, um, (laughs) it's not exactly at Lafayette, but it was at my time at Lafayette. In between sophomore and junior year, I worked at this camp in Michigan for kids Mm -hmm. and teens with trauma. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a Christian camp, but not really. Like they got funding from the government and they didn't like force anything on anybody but it was definitely christ-based yeah um and so i was the person in charge of like distributing medications for these kids um and through that like it really like showed me how much suffering is out there um it really showed me how much how much suffering and how much pain there is Mm -hmm. but also how much like how all of the staff members embodied christ yeah um so how much all of the staff members who were christian um well like all the staff members were christian is what i'm saying right. um they all embodied that like nation of servitude mm-hmm. um they didn't really care about doctrine all that much um i remember one of the reasons i was excited to work there was because they um they had some kids up for adoption and uh on their sheets, they let the kids say that they wanted two moms. So they wanted gay couples to adopt them. Yeah. Um, And they were really affirming of, like, LGBTQ teens and stuff. So that was really cool. But even in the hardest times, all of these kids have some sort of trauma. um, And it all, like, manifests in, like, either, like, violent outbursts or, like, uh inner issues like we like kids would run away and we'd have to like and counsel them counsel them um we had to like we were put through this really rigorous training of like restraint but it was like supposed to be like therapeutic restraint in a sense like if they were a danger to themselves or other people which happened a lot like you'd have to be able to hold them so they wouldn't hurt anybody and there were some really like emotionally tense times where we had to do that Mm -hmm. Um, but like always there's just like this light in these kids. And I kind of realized that I couldn't go back to Lafayette in a sense that like knowing that people didn't know what that world was like, I guess. And I knew I couldn't just be an academic. Um, I love academia. I love learning about theology and all that, but like,
0: I I want to do something. I want to help
1: people who are suffering. Um, And so I was like, you know what? I really think I want to pursue chaplaincy. Yeah.
0: Um, As a vehicle to help people.
1: Exactly. Because chaplaincy is not the same as being a pastor. A lot of pastors become chaplains. But chaplaincy is less about ministry and more about meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So it's not about conversion. It's not about... It can be about guidance. um, But it's about... Meeting people More support. where they're at, mm-hmm. yeah, giving them their support, um, affirming them in their faith if they need it, or counseling them through questions that they have, um, and I just really felt a calling to help people figure out, like, what religion means to them, and specifically, I think, in my case, like, helping people come to terms with like their Christian background and how if they still want to associate like how they can navigate Christianity in like the modern age or like if they Mm -hmm. are more progressive or if they're dealing with religious trauma like
0: how they can separate yeah
1: how they can separate the two if they want to or how they can process like removing themselves from the church if they need to so then I was like yeah I want to do that and so I hit up Alex Hendrickson (laughs) and I was like hey like I want to be a chaplain. Yeah. Um, what's it like? And she was like, Well, (laughs) not only can I tell you, but there's this interfaith position that's like opening up that I feel like you'd be a good fit for. So we just talked a lot and then I became the interfaith fellow. Um, and then for grad school, she told me about this school that was that's called Union Theological Seminary. Right. Um, and it's a very, very progressive seminary. A lot of mainline seminaries <laughs> hate it. It's um, <laughs> oh. like foundations of black liberation theology and womanist theology. Amazing. They've always been modernists, which is controversial. Like people mm. in the church don't necessarily like modernists all that much, but I do. Um, Love it. But they've always been about like social justice and service and all that. Um, and they have some really, really cool scholars there. The, all of the scholars. <laughs> All the professors at Union are fantastic. And so um, Alex was like, you should apply there. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll try it.
0: Yeah. Do you know, like, when you're a chaplain, would you be a chaplain for anyone of any faith?
1: Yeah, I think. um, So, like, I got into Union.
0: Amazing. Congrats.
1: Full scholarship. Amazing. The best. Great. So um, through the Master of Divinity program, which is what you get if you're going into something pastoral or something Mm -hmm. ministry-based. I'm getting mine in chaplaincy and interreligious engagement. So, um, like, I'm going to be learning how to be, like, an interfaith chaplain. Amazing. But if I were to work somewhere, I feel like I could fill either role. Like, I Mm -hmm. would be fine being, like, a Christian chaplain, but I would also be fine being an interfaith chaplain. I like so them both. Interesting.
0: Do you know what kind of setting you'd want to work in, like like a hospital or college or something like that?
1: Yeah. So chaplaincy, like traditionally, is more is like a hospital position. Yeah. Like chaplaincy traditionally is like affirming people's faith at their deathbed. Yeah. And
0: or um, their family members. Family members yeah. too,
1: like really high stakes things. But in recent decades, the roles kind of like um, expanded. Mm-hmm. So now there's, well, there was always, like, prison chaplains and military chaplains, but now there's, like, college campus chaplains that we have now. There's business chaplains. There's actually protest chaplains. Huh. people Chaplains who go to protests and help uh, people process, like, how an all-loving God can exist when systemic racism, yeah. like, exists. Uh, it
0: feels hard to reconcile. Yeah.
1: yeah, so protest chaplains are really cool. But if I were to do it, I think that I would um, – I'd probably either want to work at a school or at a hospital. I'd probably start out at a hospital. I have a lot of – like, in my childhood, I spent a lot of time, like, in the hospital and having oh. surgery and stuff. Um, oh, for
0: your back? Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: mm. So I have a lot of experience with that, and yeah. so I feel like it can help people through
0: – You have that empathy.
1: Yeah, you got the empathy for the medical situation. Mm. So I would do that, but, like, the long-term the long con, if yeah. I can make it work, is to be a professor and a chaplain at a university.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Like a professor of religious studies or history or yeah, both? Yeah,
1: one of them. Like theology, what? religious studies, history, religious history. Yeah. Anything like that. That sphere. So I might like go back for a PhD later in my life after getting experience That's for chaplaincy.
0: such an amazing goal. Yeah. Um, and such a beautiful story. Thank uh, you. Of course. Is there anything you'd like to add as we're closing out?
1: Well, I want to say thank you. Thanks for of course. doing this interview. Um, also, uh, I want to thank you for d- tackling this project with me. You're really going to be carrying it on like yeah. Yeah. in the next three years. And this podcast is in its infancy. But I think it's going to do really great things. I love it. And I'm more than grateful for you to carry on the project. Because uh, you've got so much fire and so much passion <laughs> <that> for <clears throat>, interfaith discussion. And I guess if you didn't pick up on the message, like, through all of these episodes, I want to tell, like, the Lafayette community, don't be afraid to have conversations about faith. Yep, It's important. Like, I guess if it was important to you growing up, it's important. Um, Even
0: if it wasn't, you know, it's yeah, never too late to start.
1: It's never too late to start exploring, um, going at your own pace, defining what religion means to you. Like, it's not a bad thing and even if that like discovery leads you to like atheism or agnosticism or anything that's like you get to make it your own but don't be afraid to have those conversations
0: it gets you closer to who you are exactly a more expansive understanding of the world and your connection to Mm -hmm. it
1: and ask people questions like i think a lot of the conversations um that are the most fruitful like just kind of start from taking that step and being like like hey like what is your religious background or yeah. like how do you identify with your faith and on a more deeper level and just kind of have that empathy and understanding to have those types of conversations I guess
0: definitely mm-hmm. um I think that's such a powerful and important message and it's why we're here and I've loved hearing your story and getting yeah. to know you so much and you're such a role model to me oh. and an inspiration of course yeah and and I just want to thank you also for starting this and for everything else you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this has been absolutely fantastic. And thank you so much for listening.